Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you've joined us today. Uh, we are in the midst of transition, as you can tell. We'd normally be uh, up in the chancel area, but we're completely changing the inside of the chancel area um, for an expansion of seating for our growing choir, which is really great. Uh, Renessa Fernander has the day off, our choir director, and so Bill Sherrill is a member of the choir and retired choir director and is joining us in leadership today. We appreciate um, your leadership, Bill. If you come this way, uh, make sure you do two things. Lift up your feet because uh, there's cardboard there on the ground where they're working, and also look down because there's drawings of what that structure is going to be. So our organ is going to be over there, and Don will be over there. Our pews will actually face forward, and there'll be more pews there so that the choir can sit there, but the look should remain um, remarkably the same. Uh, so we're grateful for the progress, and it will continue over the next couple of weeks. We'd like to frame our announcements in the five practices of fruitful congregations. We try our best to live these out each week. If you'll open your bulletin to the part that starts um, radical hospitality. We want to welcome um, visitors. We know what a big deal it is to walk in the building, uh, not knowing exactly where you go, and we hope that um, you felt welcome as you came in today. If you want to give us any contact information whatsoever as the atten with the attendance registers that goes by you, um, we will contact you in that fashion. And we have an important announcement regarding that as well. We have a new hire for our church staff, and it's uh, Leanna Morris. I'm going to call Leanna up. Leanna is, uh, has grown up here uh, for a long time, participated in the children's program for a long time, and at age 19, as a college student, our um, children's director, Katie Jeter, um, decided that she wanted to go another direction but remain here. I went to a 19-year-old Leanna and said, hey, can you be our interim because you know this program inside and out? And she said, mm-hmm. I said, are you scared at all? And she went, mm-hmm. I said, your parents scared at all? Yeah. Yeah, um, she did a tremendous job doing that and led us through VBS and um, now she's going to do a full-time legit job for us once she graduates from North Greenville um, this semester. She's going to be called the Director of Connection and that's not a job we've had here before. Um, Leslie Pace is our office manager. She's the kind of the point guard of this whole campus and connects all of you as you come on this campus. Leanna's going to be the point guard of people yet to be on our campus. She's going to think about the website. When people visit, she's going to contact them. Um, but another element of that of people on our campus all the time, once I visit you in the hospital or I come out to your home and check on you, lots of times I'm going to the next person that I'm going to see, Leanna's going to check behind me in the days and weeks after I've come to visit you and she's going to see if there's anything else we can do to support you or lift you up. And so if y'all will welcome uh, Leanna to this position. She um, will not be here for several weeks um, because she's going to other churches to see what it's like to visit churches and see what their bulletins are and see how people treat her as a visitor and then uh, steal a bunch of ideas. Uh, so that we can do the best, absolute best of what all those things combined are doing. And so she's on her way to go see another um, congregation. So grateful for that. Um, she's going to be great. Uh, if you look at passionate worship, I've told you about our changes. Um, uh, and, and they'll be over the next uh, five or six weeks. We're grateful for that. We believe in um, prayer in a very deep way here. We have a Tuesday prayer group. And if you would like any concern to be shared with that prayer group, you can share it with a card that's in your pew. You can put it in the... Um, uh, offering plate as it goes by, but also that phone number that's there. Call that phone number 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, especially 
during bad weather. Especially when you think we're not here because we immediately get a notice. Whereas if you leave it on our office voicemail, it could be days uh, in, in bad weather. Uh, make sure you use that. Anyone can use that for any reason. A prayer concern or an immediate need. If you flip over, you see intentional faith development. Children and youth and adults um, are all the way back tonight. Children have a fun announcement in children's choir. Uh, so make sure if you participate in children's choir to be there tonight to get that kickoff. Um, if you go to risk-taking mission and service, you see a new mission uh, that we're going to explore, and that is putting food uh, in backpacks for children who are not necessarily um, going to get their next meal, especially when they leave school over the weekend or when they have inclement weather. When they don't have food security, that is a very big deal. And so we're looking to um, help with that. You flip it over and we believe in extravagant generosity, and you see how we're doing. Uh, for this year, we had an excellent end to last year, and we thank you too for a great start this year. Um, that's a number of announcements. Please take these home with you. I know it's hard to remember. Um, put that number on your um, refrigerator door in case you need it. Uh, if you'll stand uh, as you're able and join us with our first hymn, number 419.
The affirmation of faith is something we love, the Apostles' Creed and traditional worship. If you would like to join us, you certainly can. If you would like to listen, you certainly can. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first scripture reading today is from the book of Psalm, chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Lord, who may dwell in your secret sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind. This is the word of God for the people of God.
I'd like you all to turn to page 38 in your hymnal. Every time uh, we have a new member, it's fun. Uh, Mr. James McClendon and I met the other day. He's cool. His dad was a United Methodist minister in Georgia, North Georgia. Worked his whole career like John Rush, retired, and then worked a good bit more like John Rush. Um, he is a high school football coach, like uh, some of our guys in the congregation. He's uh, been on the defensive side most often than not, right? Correct. And we have some offensive coaches um, that are retired in the congregation, so someday we'll get him out in the field out here. <laughs> we'll drop a play. I'll, um, I'll call it, Marion will call color, right, and, and say, uh, well, what's going on with that football play? It'd be fun. James uh, comes to us um, from all these United Methodist churches, but also spent time in Mount Pleasant, just as I did, near Wando, and uh, um, has come up and is now at Blue Ridge on the, um, coaching on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so there's a very simple question for you coming from a United Methodist church. As a member of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? The congregation, we turn to you. And you'll see, since we printed these hymnals, we've added the word witness. I'm going to say something about it, too. My actions are going to exhibit the fact that I believe these things. That's the significance of adding that word witness. Members of the household of God, I commend this person to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase his faith, confirm his hope, and perfect him in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love as members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church. We renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory in Christ establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may live in grace and peace. If y'all will welcome James to our congregation. We won't shake hands for flu season. We'll do it like that. And then, uh, we'll, put, um, we'll have James stand in the back with me so you all can make sure you greet him uh, to, and welcome him to our congreg congregation. Let's uh, pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for this space. A quiet place of reflection and prayer and song and scripture and proclamation and today, commitment. Remind us this day of our commitment, Lord, but remind us always, every time we gather here, and as we read a story of people who are trying to understand a way to turn around, and of a man who was hoping for a second opportunity, help us to see every element, Lord. Help us to place our feet in every step. Help us to see the great struggle, the great joy, and ultimately your pursuit. Your loving, radical pursuit of us in every way. Bless what we do in this service, Lord, to strengthen and inspire us so that we may go forth from this place to serve. Lead us, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught His disciples to pray. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering, and you can give as the plates go by. You can give electronically with instructions in the bulletin. And if you're new to us, we certainly don't expect you to give. You can rely on the generosity of our people.
Please be seated. Today we continue in a series uh, looking at the book of Jonah. Looking at a chapter a week for three weeks. We're in chapter three. And simply put, the first two chapters, the first one, God says, I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh. Jonah doesn't think Nineveh is a great city. doesn't like them. They bullied him. They're taking advantage of him and his people. He says, I want you to go to them and I want you to transform them. For if you don't transform them, they're going to be in deep trouble. Jonah says, great. I'd love for him to be in deep trouble. Runs for his life. Goes in the exact opposite direction. Causes a tremendous storm on a boat. And the fishermen on that boat who are just on their way somewhere find themselves in an enormous storm that's his fault. He says, throw me in the water. I know it's my fault. He's swallowed by fish. Chapter 2, in that fish, he prays on his knees, my goodness, I got a little sideways there, and I'm sorry. I started thinking about myself there. I started with my own motivations there, and it's my mistake. You are a God of grace and purpose and opportunity, and I'd love another chance. And at the end of the chapter 2, the whale spits him out on land to go speak to those people of Nineveh again. So we're looking at page 1438 in your Bible, Jonah chapter 3, if you want to get there while I describe something. Failure in numbers. Don't we often link our success, our purpose, to certain numbers? Your job has them, your family has them, your relationship has them, our church has them. And we, time and time again, determine our failure success and other people determine our failure and success based on numbers. Winston Churchill, uh, there's a new movie out in the movie theaters about his life. And typically I'm never the guy who's read the book rather than watched the movie. But um, Amazon is changing that with the app that allows a book to be read to you as you're doing something else. So I'm actually listening to the Winston Churchill book. And you want to talk about numbers and failure. Way before World War I, World War II, and World War I, he was charged with uh, coming up with a plan. And his plan cost tens of thousands of lives. And you might think, he's never going to get another chance again for the lives that he lost as a leader. Now what if he had never gotten another chance? What if he were not given the chance to lead people in Europe in World War II? What kind of impact would that have? Oprah Winfrey, way before she was a television megastar, was a rising star on a news program in Nashville. On that news program, she had such great numbers so quickly. She was hired by a channel in Baltimore. That channel in Baltimore thought it was flat. Her presentation wasn't that great and fired her. Someone fired Oprah Winfrey on television. <laughs> My goodness, you just don't know. And what if she had given up? What if she had stopped right there? Bill Belichick is a coach of the Patriots today trying to get to the Super Bowl for the Seems like about the 12th time in the last 14 years. Before he was with the Patriots, he was with the Cleveland Browns. And with the Cleveland Browns, he had turned them around over time. But their owner decided he wanted to move the team to Baltimore. 
announced it in the middle of the season. The fans revolted and it all fell apart and he was fired. The Cleveland Browns who may have struggled the heart. I tried to do illustrations that wouldn't hurt anybody's feelings here. I'm thinking no one's tied deeply to the Cleveland Browns in Greer, South Carolina. The Cleveland Browns who have struggled maybe more than any... Oh, buddy! I'm sorry! Oh, Don. I'd shake your hand and hug you, but I'm not doing it today. Not in flea season. Flu season. They have struggled more. Then I'm going to go fast. They've struggled more than any professional franchise. They fired the man who's had more success than any professional franchise. But then he got rehired by his mentor, Bill Parcells, with the New York Jets. Bill Parcells put in his contract, Bill Belichick will take over for me. When he stepped back, he said, Bill Belichick is now the coach of the New York Jets. Any Jets fans in here, because that one hurts too. Bill Belichick went to his first prep conference 24 hours in and said, I don't understand what's going on with the ownership. This feels like it's shifting a little bit. I'm actually going to resign as coach of the New York Jets. I don't want to do it. Second chances, first chances are rare, aren't they? How about second chances? Today we're going to talk about second chances on multiple levels with Jonah chapter 3 starting on page 1438. And I read different parts, so if you like to read along, if you'll keep it open. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give to you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A second time is a rare gift. What does a second chance mean to you? What does a second chance in your life meant to you? Um, I love, love, love documentaries. I especially love to watch documentaries of people who have failed once before or twice before or ten times before before they hit the thing that they're supposed to do. And in some occasions, their actions were the reason for their failure. And in some occasions, the environment was the reason for their failure. Some occasions, both. But to get a second chance, and, and I think it's important to say, God was saying a second time. You think you'd make God say something a second time? Now, children will make parents say something a second time. Shower. You got to take a shower. You got to clean up your room. How many times does a student make a teacher say something before they do it? How many times does a player make a coach say something before they do it? How many times does an uh, elder parent make a grown adult child say something before they do it? Right? And go every direction. This is God. I'm telling you. This is what I want you to do. And again, he emphasizes that great city. Does he mean significant? Does he mean fantastic? Does he mean good people? Does he mean just simply it's a large city? It's going to be hard to get across. Whatever it is, Jonah now is dialed in and is listening. Go to that great city and he's got a second chance. Verse 3. 
Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day Jonah started into the city, he proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. So there's numbers every time. We got a second chance. We got him saying 40 days. You, you think about the cities that you've walked the most in. Probably has more to do with traveling than anything else. Maybe be Manhattan more than anyone else. Subways are below ground. You don't get to see much if you're riding the subway. A lot of people spend a lot of time walking the city. You might walk more than you would normally in two weeks in a couple of days. Imagine seeing the monstrosity of that city and walking through it and trying to get people's attention and saying 40 more days y'all have to turn around. You wouldn't normally get people's attention. But the thing he's saying should capture anyone's attention of that time because of the number. 40 is huge. Even for people not deeply connected to our God, they would understand it because you know so much about the God surrounding you. 40 is such a significant number. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Moses and the Israelites walked through the desert for 40 years before they settled it. The book of, the book of Exodus, which is the journey of being enslaved to being freed to running for their life to finding the promised land is 40 chapters. Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. And in so many cases, those 40s have pain, sacrifice, anger, hunger, thirst. Lots of them by design. You have those by design so that you get down to the very core of who you are and desperately need something. And in that desperation, you don't call out for food or alcohol or buying something or Netflix or what drugs, whatever it may be. In that depth, you call out to God. That's the significance. He says, 40 more days y'all have to turn around. They go like this. They turn around. You know anybody that does that? You know any groups that do that? All those times I listed individuals needing a second time to hear something, the first time they hear it, the first day they hear it, it says, we all, they all say, we need to turn around. The people of Nineveh believed. This is so polar opposite to the people of God who struggle to believe. You, you find sometimes... Uh, People you're not connected to listen better to you than people that are connected to you? Why, Why is that? People connected to you are making choices. They're, they're thinking, how do I feel about this person today? They're thinking, how do I feel about this person yesterday? How am I going to feel about this person tomorrow? And all that clouds how quickly they're going to respond, whereas other people might listen a little faster. They respond immediately and change. Verse 6. This is even crazier. When news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the sawdust. 
Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from His fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, He had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction He had threatened. How about who knows faith? It's kind of like rubbing a genie. It's kind of like shaking an eight ball. I don't know, are we supposed to go on this trip? Let's shake the... Um, we don't know. Oh, great. That's the kind, that is the depth of the response that that king is giving. However, their actions speak louder than anything. Three big things he gives up. First one's the throne. You know what thrones are designed to do? You, you, I mean, that's what's perfect about this image. It's how simple and peaceful it is. But if this were not a church, and we instead turned this into a place that was designed for a king, there'd be a throne about in that spot. Supremely elevated with all kinds of steps up to it. With all kinds of soldiers posted with some kind of weapon, right? And all kinds of people dressed around the corner with fancy garb and clothing. Super high ceilings. All designed to intimidate the person that's coming down this aisle to address the king. Designed to make that person feel small and insignificant as they come in to the point that they want to kneel in front of this powerful person. Intimidation. To make sure that no one stands up to him is what the king is giving up when he gives up the throne. What's the second thing he gives up? Robe. Garb that sets him apart in the community. That people are to move out of his way, respect who he is, do what he says, and honor everything that he does. The jewelry, the rings, the... Um, uh, uh, robe that's all over him. He's given it all up. The things that set him apart. That's significant. The throne and then the robe. And finally, he sits in ashes. What's the significance of that? Now ours is a little different on Ash Sunday, but I think the image is similar. We're about to celebrate Ash Wednesday, which is the start of the season of Lent, which is a 40-day journey to Easter in which Christians determine the ways in which they impede the message of God in any way, shape, or form and try to eradicate them. It's a little deeper than I'm giving up Snickers or I'm giving up Skittles. Now that's a thing designed to help you think about it all the time. But there's a replacement that goes there. Those ashes that we place on our forehead and to say to dust you shall return come from palm fronds from the previous year's Palm Sunday. 
on Palm Sunday as people wave those palm fronds and celebrate Jesus coming into town. And they say, wow, you're amazing. You're the king. You're who we're going to follow. And they're waving the palm fronds here. But as he goes by, they drop them. As days go by, they hear he's a rebel. As more days go by, they realize if they don't turn on him, it could cost them their, their lives. So when he's then in front of them, and they're choosing between him or Barabbas, a proven criminal, they say, we want to free Barabbas. And when he's crucified, they say, excellent, crucify him. So those people, in a matter of days, turn from celebrating Him to crucifying Him. And that is the human experience being fickle, going back and forth. And when we place those ashes, reminding us of the ways in which we've fallen short and struggled and flipped, the King is sitting in ashes. Not only is the King sitting in ashes, the animals, they dressed up the animals. It's an over-the-top Explanation very much like Jesus' parables designed to show people this is the response that's intended. Three significant things. You know why? It's even deeper. Kings are fragile. Kings are jumpy. Kings are needy. Because they fear that someone else is coming for them. They fear that they might lose the thing that they have. They fear that these resources that are in their hands may one day go away. And those three things that I said help them hold on. He's letting them go. So none of us, I'm thinking, have sat on a throne for any amount of time. None of us have worn royal garb for any amount of time. But all of us have felt a little fragile. All of us have felt a little needy. All of us have felt a little jumpy of the people around us. And we put up barriers the same way that king did. He is setting the standard for his people to accept the fact that we have to be fragile in order to serve. It's counterintuitive. We think we have to be tough in order to serve. We think we have to project strength in order to serve. We think we have to show that we have the best numbers in order to serve. And it's counterintuitive. So success in numbers. There's a lyric in a Christian song where he says, I'll never know how much it cost. And there's images in our lives where we get a hold of that when we didn't previously have it. Someone bought us a car and then one day we have to buy a car. Someone educated us and then we have to educate. Someone fed us and now we have to feed. And you go, my goodness, I didn't know it took all this in order for this to happen. I'm grateful for that person. Maybe you get the chance to say it to them. Maybe you don't. Maybe they're gone. We will never know what it cost Jesus to go through that journey to go into that city and face humanity at its very worst. But at our best, we can say, I can't imagine what that cost you. And in my gratitude, I'm willing to be fragile as you are. So the people that Jonah thought should never, ever be acknowledged by God and would never acknowledge God in this story set the standard for response.
to God. Isn't that something? They set the standard for response. So as the season of Lent comes for us in the next couple of months, we're going to talk about that broken human condition. We're going to talk about the significance of that cost. And we're going to talk about how our own fragile bodies can be vessels of this incredible message to the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand and join me as you're able for number 428. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for participating in the leadership of the service. Thank you for sticking it out. It's a little warm in here. It gets you sleepy, doesn't it? Thank you for sticking it out and sticking with me. We hope you have a great week. We hope you stay healthy. We hope you join us tonight or any Sunday night if you'd like for any age group. Go forth in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.